0: I'm at Slaboy T. All right, this is uh, Shit
1: Spattered Thirty Seven. This is Black Dot Com Pills. This is the Fed Post. (laughs) Um, Just just run through everything uh, pretty fast. This, this surprisingly a lot. I feel like last week's episode was fucking a year ago, like the the GameStop (laughs) thing. I feel like a lot has happened since then um I guess we could start with this this AOC thing and the uh <laughs> I just I, it's fresh on my mind because I just saw rashida Talib uh was giving like a similar speech and she was just like uh t- yeah Talib yeah exactly and she was just like doing basically the same thing and AOC was like on her arm and like she was crying did you guys see that video I saw uh, like a little brief
0: second of it
2: yeah same here yeah. yeah
0: she was like all I could do was think Allah at that moment that I wasn't there <laughs> <laughs> pretty
3: based
2: Well, yeah,
0: that's kind of oh, based yeah wait where was Tlaib, Tlaib? Uh who knows I guess she was I think she was also like
3: in her offices probably like where AOC was not on the fucking capital grounds but she'll <laughs> yeah, just right. admit to it and AOC just won't right
0: <laughs> dude see that's 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 what you know distinguishes the winners from the losers is <laughs> AOC is willing to to make a real tale out of it oh yeah
3: you gotta double down when you're caught in your bullshit in this type of media racket you can't you can't succumb to it until it Truth now dude for sure
1: yeah did you, did you see the the tiktok of her like i just like like i didn't watch any of these vids in full but like aoc was like standing up and like showing how the door was in front of her and like <laughs> was like reenacting it it was just mad cringe i didn't like i'd heard about it before i seen it i just couldn't believe that she was really like going all out with it but like yeah i mean she's saying like the capital officer was trying to try attack her and then saying that he didn't give an extraction point or something like he was like giving misinformation. Then she changed the story later about it. Like, oh yeah, yeah. She's like at like, first I was like she didn't go to the extraction
3: point. She said because she was scared that her fellow congressman may try to harm her uh, Shout or out to like Cruz. act to take her life. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Which would like be like kind of based if someone attempted yeah, yeah. it. Like, I'm not saying I'm advocating for that, uh, but like if there happened to be a scuffle or two in Congress or on the Senate floor, I wouldn't be
1: mad. (laughs) Like some fisticuffs going around. (laughs) Yeah, it'd be pretty It's not unprecedented. Yeah. But so then she
3: then she realized that sounded way too ridiculous to think that other Congress people are going to kill her. So she was like, well, actually, there was like this guard and he like looked at me funny. And I don't know if he forgot to tell us where the extraction point is or purposefully withheld the information. um, But I just never knew. So, yeah. so she changed her story again and it's just crazy man she just keeps yeah. fucking flopping around like a fish out of water
1: yeah just like blatantly lie but they got the politifact and like all the fact checkers saying that the, she wasn't lying I guess yeah. zero she, Pinocchios she, yeah.
0: yeah she yeah she didn't cop any Pinocchios for that performance <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: but yeah I mean yeah just seeing Rashida do it I mean it, it is just sort of this whole thing like all you know just I just remember just people being like oh no Omar's the good one no Rashida's the good one and it's just uh, you Omar's know, it's the all the same one. and Right, and right, right, right. And
0: Rashida's the ugly one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That's that's all you really right. need to know. Right. AOC's flat <laughs> as a board on the back end. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, right, yeah. This is all debatable. Obviously, it's still in the air, but e- either way, just like I got yeah, back on that, but yeah, no, it's just it's just the victim thing. It's just the the uh, I don't know. I feel like they just had like like a Pelosi like model, and they just updated with a patch of having like a woman in color, and like that's you know what I mean like that's that's pretty much what the squad is, and it's just like I, I don't know. It's it just seems like they're 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 trying to play as like a victim and make you yeah. forget that they're the people who aren't giving you your checks, like their policy. They're they're the same politician as they have as much power as, you know, McConnell or, you know, well, not as McConnell, but like all these other people in Congress. It's just like, yeah, it's like a fake uh, victimization thing. Yeah.
3: And at the use. same time, it's like a syncophant fucking like psychopolitics. Like they're like, oh, they look at me, like how strong I am from having lived through this fucking lived trauma of being at the Congress when some civilians happen to walk in like right. dude fucking what
1: right were you, were you uh were you watching any of that Jeff, or you just been tuning that shit out or
2: I've yeah of all the topics we're talking about today this is the one where I have the <laughs> least information because I just did not pay much attention to it at all so I, I don't have a strong comment on that one
0: All right. honestly the, not a bad call not. yeah honestly <laughs> yeah it's the dumbest one yeah I, 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 like I like I like I was like involved in a little bit of like uh, discussions around it but I didn't like follow it super close and I mean, it basically is just like whatever you're assuming. Uh, AOC, you know that the hay that she made out of this, you're probably completely correct in all of your assumptions. It's just exactly what you'd expect, right? Like,
2: gotcha. Yeah, I just
0: um,
3: uh, I saw Michael Tracy going off on the timeline about it, and I uh, like read his article in New York Post, so I posted it to my like normal Facebook page. I dealt with, like, crazy backlash from libs, and, like, so my mind was a little bit fixated on that for a second. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just retarded AOC shit, like always. It's just run-of-the-mill. Yeah, now. yeah,
1: it's it's all part of the continuum of just endless crying AOC, AOC pictures, and just, yeah, like, her at the border crying at the empty street, and just, like, yeah, it's, it's all just an endless bitch gate and all that. It's the same thing, it's just, you know, that's that's it you know it's just like forget about your problems just you know uh this politician this congressperson is like all you should be concerned about not not your own problems right, right. I mean, this, it, this it. one's especially interesting just because like
0: she is so clearly like the uh like the the advertising firm for like this new war on terror and like she's mm-hmm. just so full-throatedly like the face oh, yeah. of it oh yeah um, And so, like, that, I mean, that's, like, deeply concerning, but yeah I it's also know. it's just sick cause like
3: <laughs> how the whole thing is like I feared for my life and what if I was in danger and what if I died and it's like bitch people actually died there that day absolutely that yeah, exactly. weren't fucking you that were regular <laughs> yes. ass people bitch that like those are the people people should feel bad about not you just like thinking that you may have been scared cause like there's some possibility you may have seen a dude with some viking horns on or some shit
1: right yeah
0: but those right. were chuds and cops
1: so <laughs> right <laughs> right and she and she uh, amazingly managed to throw in me too in there which oh you know, yeah it's just it's just amazing it's just, i mean you know <laughs> whether whether that's true or not like i don't i don't need to speculate on that but like her endorsing yeah. biden and the terror read thing whether that's true or not it doesn't really matter it's just it's it's not really true the de- it doesn't really matter the details of oh, yeah. what's true it's just like just look at that just you on look at face the utility what does that tell it, you yeah what does that tell you?
3: that right before her sob story about how scared she was of living through this fake trauma like okay bitch whatever yeah
1: I guess it's going to come back. I mean, it went away for Biden's thing, but I guess Me Too and and all and BLM and all the shit is just, you know, it's going to it's going to come back. Useful. Yeah, what well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, uh sickos. Yeah. There's that and I guess um what's the other thing? Uh the Times article. That that Time magazine
2: you mean. Yeah, 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 yeah Time yeah. magazine. Yeah, yeah that, shit, that
1: shit. broke my brain
2: for a little Oof, bit. That was wild. Yeah. <laughs> Did you read mean, it? Yeah. I mean, I went through, I mean, I read the whole thing. I read it a couple of times. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was very interesting. Uh, you know, I read it with the mind to try to interpret what the intent behind it was. Uh, like, I I, cause I always assume something like that is not an accident, right? Like, there right. just weren't all these different organizations that were, you know, interviewed for that piece. I mean, they, they didn't just happen to all... For no reason or for without thinking about it, just give an inside interview like that and give all that mm. inside information like that was obviously very coordinated. So, I mean, the conclusion that I drew as to the intent was that and I thought it pretty much had to be like a essentially a demoralization op, right? It was mm. to try to get the point across to people like, hey, yup you know we did a bunch of we did a bunch of stuff we collaborated with each other we are a shadowy cabal we were doing all this stuff and you know what we're gonna come right out we're gonna say it and there's not a damn thing you can do about it so don't don't start thinking that like you can vote or organize to use a trite term there or whatever but you know (laughs) or do anything that you know is gonna make a difference you might as well just give up uh you know go back to your house stop voting and we'll let the fentanyl come into your neighborhood i guess <laughs> right right um, off and grow. yeah yeah, right like i i think that was sort of the idea like it's a demoralization thing now i mean that's not without its uh downsides for sort of mm-hmm. the the ruling class right because when you when you come out and you do something like that i mean you're they're giving up a couple things i mean first of all number one like the U.S. system typically doesn't operate this way. Uh, you know, it operates with whether you believe the democracy we have is real or not doesn't really matter. It's always had that sort of sheen and enough people believed in it that that acted as a legitimation mechanism, right? Like that's what kept the United States at relative peace. It's what's sort of made the whole system work. Um, and also the other thing that that, you know, function that that serves is is it, it sort of obfuscates the exercise of power, right? If you, when you combine sort of like a, a democratic system with like a very free market system, power is very obfuscated. When things go wrong, like you lose your job or things are getting more expensive and you can't keep up with cost of living, you don't necessarily know who to blame, right? Because the 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 picture that's being painted is that none of this is centrally planned. There's not a lot of accountability there. Right. That's right. like in contrast to like, a place like China where and I don't pretend to be an expert on China and I don't want anybody to interpret me as like standing for China here. I'm just using it as a contrast, mm-hmm. like a place like China. Like if you are if like that shit's not going well for you, you know that like Xi Jinping and other party elders are behind that, right? Like right. that's very clear. Right. Um, there's there's an accountability issue there. So that's why we haven't like typically seen this sort of thing in the United States. I mean, the way that that article was written and the narrative that was portrayed, I still think it helps them avoid accountability because there were so many different pieces and parts in play there that, you know, people still don't really know who to blame per se, but it does pull the sheen off the democracy part of it for a significant percentage of the population. And if you're trying to govern a state where, you know, let's say that before 2016, I don't know, five or 10% of the population thought that uh, this was all bullshit, right? And that there was this shadowy cabal running everything. Now, if that number is like, or or that their vote didn't matter in some way. But now if you're getting up to that number and it's like 30, 40, 50% of people start to believe that and not just believe it in a way where they say it in an offhand thing in a conversation where they're unhappy with the way things are going, but where they're like actually really passionately believing it. You're governing an entirely different type of state now uh, where, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's an entirely new type of governance you're going to have to engage in if that's the population you're governing now.
3: Yeah. It comes down to more of like a coercion rather than consent building.
2: Right. Exactly. Right. And it's a step towards formalism, right it's a step it's not a you know it's not a full step it's not like a Chinese level of formalism where somebody's very clearly in charge right. but it's I think they're trying to straddle a half measure now in terms of formalism they're trying to fit into some sweet spot in between where say the US and other Western democracies traditionally have been and where like China is and I think the reason they want to sit in that middle spot is they want some of the benefits of increased formalism you know uh, but they do don't want the accountability to go like full China level you know that that's my sort of take on it right
1: yeah I, I yeah I think I think all these things as they come out and, and the way it just looks on a surface level is that yeah this is all smoothing the transition to China and I mean I used to say that like last year and and I I don't know it felt like a little conspiratorial or even just just saying like oh you know there's a there's back rooms where these people decide these things and you know just like with a lot of stuff you know that when you talk about power in general and people you know regular normie people sometimes have a hard time uh grasping this thing where they'll say what you really think there's like a room or there's like a, uh, you know, where these people are talking about these things and deciding these things. Like it's and it a Zoom seems... call, not a not a yeah, yeah. So, yeah, now it's a Zoom call. Yeah, yeah. Well, they just find it like uh, very far-fetched or like uh, fantastical or whatever. But like it really, you know, I mean, then you see these articles where these people can't help but brag. And I mean, I don't honestly, I don't know if it's a, a demoralizing thing. To me, it seemed like, you know, I've, I've been around these like people like in, in, in my career or whatever. And like they, they a lot of them on these levels, like are sort of oblivious. You know what I mean? And just sort of like in a a bubble and just sort of like self-congratulatory all the time. And I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if these people were just bragging and like patting themselves on the back and just had no idea how it sounded. And I mean, on the level, I mean, on a service level, it doesn't sound that crazy uh, overall. I mean, it's just like, all right, the left is there. The DSA is there. I don't know, labored. it sounds pretty blatant
3: Dude, the language they use is pretty fucking wild yeah. No, listen,
1: listen. well listen, I mean I think the whole thing was blatantly rigged I think it's super rigged, but all I mean is that like They left enough of like a gap oh, yeah. Where it, it could be kind of brushed away Because there were libs in my replies that were just like Oh, well, you know, this is all legal This is all sure. technically legal and all that And like, you know, we kind of knew they were already Somewhat uh, had the same interests or whatever So what's the big deal? So they, well, The that's, language they use though is
3: like infl- It's inflammatory, it has to be Like, they literally say, quote the conspiracy to save the twenty twenty election. They use the word like conspiracy. They say right. it Come was not the rigging. They were fortifying. Yeah. They use yeah, all yeah. the words. Like it has to be inflammatory. They they know what they're doing with those words. I mean and to an extent, I feel like it has to be intentional, like as gotcha. a demoralization demoralization see, yeah. effort. But so, also It feels like they're prodding a fucking ant bed like like they're just trying to be able to stir up a little bit more dissent action from the people on the right who are already going to believe this and dig into it to where you can have a one more reason uh, like the January 6th type of thing, maybe smaller scale and more spread out um, to just further us into this whole domestic terrorism thing.
0: I think that like I so I only read like I'm the only one in here, I think, that didn't read the full thing. Um, I read like a third of it and most of what I read did kind of seem like, um, it was kind of just talking about like, um, like in- information campaigns, right. right Which right. seemed like patently obvious already. Right. Um, <laughs> for, I, I'd be, I'd be interested like in it. It'd probably be helpful, like for our listeners to like have one of you guys, like maybe, uh, describe out what it, um, what I wrote down a on. couple of quotes from it. Um, oh, for I sure. Just, let's explain. Like, particularly despicable yeah that's yeah yeah yeah, i definitely want to hear that i think my one take is i i did talk to my girlfriend about it because she had read it and i mean again i'm the guy that didn't read it so take it with a grain of salt but um like I remember a couple of weeks ago I was talking on here about like um, like when you just kind of like like the highest form of just like memes that you can kind of translate anything into um, is just kind of like making making anything just kind of like an eye roll worthy cliché. Right. Like talking points and, and any political issue, you can just you can just kind of like introduce that into the mainstream. Um, and once the normies have gotten a hold on it, if you say, you know, the the position that's counter to whatever the libs is, it gets like a groan and an eye roll. And like and I think that like that's I think that that's really sp- like intentional and that's a really specific uh, effect that's kind of engineered and I think that that's kind of partly like cause I'm reading this shit. Right. And I'm like, why are they saying this stuff? Like why? Like no one's making them say this shit. Why are they doing it? Right. And I think part of it is because like, um, you, you bring it up yourself. Um, and like apologies if this is like kind of an unfocused way of putting it, but like you, you introduce this, this topic into the mainstream, you know, so you, they can have like the, the establishment can kind of have their hand planted on it and kind of have control of this thing before, you know, it it goes off uh, into the wild, and they and they kind of get that level of of ownership over it, so right. that it can just quickly become, you know, this thing that the smug lib can just go, yeah. I mean, like it's not like anyone's hiding this. Like right, 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 right. Yeah, just exactly. said this the other day, and like exactly. And,
2: but but uh, not a even classic example of this, by the way. The yeah. uh, classic example was remember for maybe the two months before the election, they just said, "Hey guys, just so you know." On election yes. night, Donald yes. Trump's gonna win big. Yes. But that doesn't mean anything. Like, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yes, exactly. Zuckerberg was on Axios saying, like, hey, don't be surprised if it takes three weeks to count the votes. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about that. I'm like, oh word, okay. You know what I mean? Telegraphing. Telegraphing yes. right there. And like, that's not to
3: mention the fact that like on actual like Instagram and Facebook, no matter like if you scroll past three posts, there's gonna be a little warning that's gonna pop up. Uh, that just is thrown into your timeline willy-nilly that just says Reminder about election results fraud. And it's just like, (laughs) there is nothing wrong with mail-in voting. These are just as secure as anything. Blah, blah, blah. Like literally just like widgets and gadgets on your timeline that are like libified for tv babies to read and say oh well look facebook tells me that it's secure I and mean, they talk about that in the fucking article it's i mean right right and
1: yeah and I'll, I'll just add in that again i've probably said it before but new york times in 2012 said it's granny farming that's what they said about mail-in ballots they said that you know so
2: <laughs> yeah well and let's also yeah, talk and, about I mean, the fact obviously that- no other countries do it right i mean yeah. uh, well i, I don't want to say no other countries most other countries don't do it because they consider right. it insecure most european countries don't do it and you know it's the funny part about it is like if. We even uh, I mean, countries much poorer than the United States have much more secure elections, like Mexico, for instance, like you have Uh to show ID, you have to do all kinds of stuff. Um, And even, you know, absentee ballots in general, even for overseas people, what a lot of countries do is you don't get to mail your ballot in. They'll just set up a polling station in major cities outside of the home country. So, like, for instance, like in New York and New Jersey. The last year there was a Dominican Republic, a major election, I don't know much about their politics, but I do know that you there were in-person polling stations for that Dominican Republic election in New York and New Jersey. Like that's how they operate it because they obviously don't think, you know, mail-in voting is secure.
1: Right, right, right. But, but Jeff, you know, the, we're, we're in a pandemic, so I mean, that's yes, why, exactly. why we're allowed to do this. And this was okay, <laughs> this unprecedented thing is completely yeah, they gone. talk
0: about that in the article too. Oh my God, it's crazy. Dude, it, 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 it's basically, it, it just, it kind of seems like uh like uh whatever everyone's assumption about like keeping secrets intuitively is right that like oh man there's there's a lot of shit that they just like don't want to get out right the biggest secrets that the establishment and the powers that be have that they that they you know aren't aren't happy with you know they want to keep it from you like just completely flip that on its head right like it's not the way it's done I mean within reason right like I guess like Epstein stuff and things like that right that's what I was about
2: to say yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. you
0: definitely like want certain things that are just so but like as far as this goes right like like a like a a political uh, horrendous machine moving Uh, It's 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 terrible gears like I mean, just just completely just completely talk about it in the open, right? that's how you hide a conspiracy like this just talk about it openly fuck it it. just talk about it openly and people just it's it's a it's a bunch of you know like everybody always just reads the headlines and shit like that right and then like how many of the people that just read it it didn't just fucking like glaze over halfway through the shit anyways and it's just kind of you know like oh well if they're saying it like that in and of itself the fact that they're openly saying it is the biggest uh uh uh, takeaway of like normalcy that most people can probably get from it right yeah yeah, yeah. people
1: people in power telling you this is normal is all they need to do to make it normal zuckerberg was literally saying that like oh this is going to take weeks and that's perfectly normal he said that in his weird alien android way <laughs> and it's like oh yeah that's that's not normal because that's never happened before and he's just saying this is completely normal and that makes it normal and it's i, I tell people it's like it's like the nsa leaks right so like after 9/11 they pass the Patriot Act in like record time. Record time it flies through through uh through Congress and gets signed, right? And over the next, you know, they got the hidden FISA courts, it's you know, you know, not seen by the public, it's completely uh, opaque or whatever. And over the years, right? There's all these leaks that come out over the over the Bush years and into the Obama years, just periodically there's leaks, whistleblowers of like, oh, shit, they're doing way more than just terrorists. And it's pretty bad. Right. And every year, every couple years, it gets worse. And they just adjust. They just adjust the way they do the press conferences about it. Obama will just go up there and be like, oh, well, look, look, it's just metadata. Don't worry about it. It's just metadata. OK, like yeah, we, you know, we deputize these uh, these companies, these telecom communication companies, AT&T and all them. And, you know, we, we it's, it's not that bad. We just know the the number of texts you're sending. We don't know what's in it. Who believes that? Who believes that if, if the if the day before Obama said that they would have denied it, right? They would have denied it until it's leaked. So all I'm saying is that they'll they'll adjust and re- reorient as these things come out because they have to. But you know, and this thing, I mean, they didn't even have to. I mean, they're just bragging, right? But yeah. like, the, all I'm saying is that it's way more than this. And I'm probably the most like Jones like pill like you know conspiracy brain about. The election or whatever like how blatantly rigged it was and i mean look it's more than what's in this article it's way more but this is what this is what they're throwing out in a measured way uh and that they've got the media to reorient around uh, that's acceptable. And and if you think this is where it ends and you're, I don't know, you're very naive to me. That's, that's how I, I can put it politely.
3: Yeah. It's all, it's like a show of force in a way too. Like if you're already mm. going to believe that, like, okay, of course they're going to do this stuff like, uh, or not of course, but like, oh, you know, they were just trying to fortify the election. If you're already going to believe that stuff in an the article, then like, yeah, you're going to use it. Like these libs are to be like, oh, look, they're telling us about it. It's totally fine. They wouldn't tell us about it if it was sketchy. But if you already doubted it, it's like, it's showing you essentially like, Hey, yeah, yeah all that shit you're saying, you're right. We don't fucking care. Uh, we can do this, whatever. Just like we uh, inaugurated Joe Biden with like the largest military presence ever. Uh, it's a show of force there too. Like they're like, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah. Mask off, right, baby. Right, we're the state. Yeah, Let's exactly. fucking do
1: it. Yeah
3: It's sicko shit man It's terrifying Like I don't know I think uh, it's gonna be More and more Mask off As we keep going along Like I
2: think we're in A little bit of a Transitionary period Right now The the balancing act Is what's interesting To me though Because Everything you guys Are saying is right But they do not Want to go to Full China level Because there's an Accountability that Comes with that They don't want That level of Accountability (laughs) You know what I mean Like we uh, It's They actually want to do I'm not saying They'll be successful But they want to do Something worse than what China does. They want to be able to have like maybe not 100% of the control, but if they can get 75% of the control while having only 25% of the accountability by sort of obfuscating the way the power is exercised, they would go with that like 100%. They would love that. And that's like, so I'm going to give you just an example of what I mean that's a little more concrete. So like in China, like if you want to say something on social media that um let's say that the chinese ruling class doesn't want you to say like the chinese government just says like oh you can't say this right Right. like that's the end of it jack ma says some stuff he's not supposed to say jack ma disappears for a couple (laughs) weeks right like that's just that's that's how it works in the united states like they sort of do it in an underhanded way using like the social media companies being the one to drop the hammer Right. Mm -hmm, So you can't say like, oh, Joe Biden says I can't say this on social media. Right. Because he's not the guy out there preventing you from saying it. It's Mark Zuckerberg or Jeff Bezos or, Mm -hmm. you know, Jack Dorsey or whoever. So there's some benefit to that in that it sort of obfuscates the real exercise of power and it reduces some level of accountability because now I'm not mad at joe biden and kamala harris i'm mad at you know um who may not in the u.s system they might not really be the ones pulling the strings period anyway right because we have more of a market system but whoever is pulling those strings but i'm mad at you know Zuckerberg, for instance, who I actually don't think Zuckerberg particularly cares one way or the other what you say about Joe Biden on social media, but he obviously has financial interests in you saying certain things. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing is very just it's very it's a lot more obfuscated and it makes it much more difficult for people not who, to know who to be angry at. Right. And it, it creates a far reduced accountability, which I think they see as preferable
1: that's yeah that's absolutely true and yeah that was that was a big part of it was the disinfo thing and just like i don't know it's, whenever i hear the the media talking about disinformation it just seems like news speak to me it's just like it's just so brazen and and you know we all remember the aoc panels you know uh berating zuckerberg or whatever being like you need to stop the fake news that's going on 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 social media that are getting these boomers excited or whatever and like you know and russian disinformation you know that that was part of that too but now it's just like anything basically a Against us is just yeah. all disinformation and we need to clamp. And that's what they talked about in the article is just like it needs to be clamped down on. They talk about changing voter laws to help mm-hmm. against voter suppression. It's all newspeak. Yeah. They're doing the voter suppression. They're the ones right. who are doing the disinformation. The people who are talking about that. They're the ones who are doing it. So it's just it's just yeah. amazing. And the article, they hearings are about-
2: really good. Example of uh, obfuscation too, because you know you can watch those hearings and you could come away with the opinion. Some people will watch it and come away with the opinion. Well, like oh, Zuckerberg doesn't really want to be censoring, but you know, AOC forced him into it, right? The government Mm -hmm. forced him in. And a whole other group of people will watch that and say like, well, you know, we'll maybe not see that hearing, or they won't draw that conclusion, and they'll blame Zuckerberg himself instead. So it it confuses and obfuscates. Like that serves like a very exactly. useful function
1: exactly exactly yeah they're working in tandem but it makes it it's kayfabe it's just like oh we're yeah we're upset at each other you know for whatever but like they already they already figured this out a while ago they already know the script and they're they're it, it, it's mutually beneficial that they uh that they uh flag uh, random fucking tweets is like oh this is disputed uh you know the election this is disputed for election claims or whatever Mm -hmm. like you know what i mean it's all it's all or even
3: beyond that like burying shit with algorithms and stuff like i can even like say in the article they talk about how they quote unquote pressured social media to take a harder line and use data-driven strategies to fight viral (laughs) smears what the fuck is a viral smear and what the fuck do you mean data-driven strategies? So essentially, they're saying <laughs> they just like warped around these algorithms to be able to like boost some certain things. They talk about they talk about how there's some meme group uh, among like all these le- liberal and left coalitions that they like made all these memes and stuff and put on social media. And they talk about that right after talking about how they had to force uh, and pressure social media to remove disinformation. So essentially, what they're saying here is that they use data-driven strategies to boost their positive, uh, you know, the ones that they wanted to boost. And then they used the data driven strategies to fight the viral smears of things that they didn't want to boost, like the Hunter Biden laptop, uh, fucking all of that different stuff that they just immediately memory hold or
1: like would not let you retweet or anything like that. It's just nuts, man. Like Yeah, it, AOC AOC's crying video and, and people saying like, Oh, that she was lying about that, she wasn't there. That is flagged. She sent some email out to her supporters, like flag this because uh yes. you can use social media to flag this because oh, yeah. it's not true. It's disinformation.
3: Yeah, and now not they what have she
1: that, says. that tweets like that
3: whatever the fuck Twitter watch thing that they have now where right, you can like right. report tweets to, like for being suspicious
1: and all mm-hmm. this thing,
3: like I don't know, it's fucking hole monitors. Yeah. Bird watch.
1: Yeah. Bird watch yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. it is. Yeah, we're on borrowed time as far as like any lib pandemic posting or any you know, election <laughs> well, shit. Well, like, okay. You
0: know? So, so like, so like Jeff was talking a minute ago just about like, uh, th- this kind of, uh, it's, it's just there's so much less accountability mm-hmm. than China and the differences between, you know, their system and ours. And like in my mind, it it kinda seems like when you kind of take a step back the arrangement that they that power has over here looks far superior <laughs> in some way yeah. mm-hmm. um <laughs> and like and like we're kind of talking about this as if it is this kind of like um transition and like oh they got a zig or they got a zag right and and maybe part of that is that uh, maybe this is kind of in um uh, this is a very delicate balance that can't last. But I mean, what, I mean, what do you guys think of that? Right, just that. I mean, like, I, I mean, as it stands right now, this seems like the best of both worlds.
2: Oh yeah, for that. Yeah, see, I agree hundred mm-hmm. percent. I think they're tr- they're feeling out that sweet spot where they get as where you say best of both worlds, and are going to try their best to just settle right in that sweet spot. I definitely don't think they want to transition past that. Excuse me, it's like a China type thing. Like, I think this is a very much a feeling out period to try and determine exactly where that sweet spot is before they settle in. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, well, yeah, as far as the obfuscation thing and like who's controlling who, just like with the, with the NSA leagues, just like, uh, they'd be like, oh, the state deputized ATT and all these telecom communication companies. And it's like, oh, the state is, is the one who's pulling the strings on, on capital, or whatever. It's like, I don't know. To me, I see it the other way. Like, I see it like they, they deputize yeah. them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, they're the ones in control, uh, globally. And I feel like, you know, China, uh, I mean, I guess, I guess, you could say China is the one that's got control of, of the, uh, you know, the corporations on their side. And like, they've, they're the ones who are dictating things. I don't know about that. Maybe, maybe so. Maybe, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not an expert on it, so I won't speak about it, but like, I feel like they're driven by the same things as any corporation is driven by. So what's I th- the here's where really? I think
2: it's a little bit different. Like, so obviously capital has, it's not like capital doesn't have influence in China, right? Like they have, it has yeah. influence everywhere. Same thing. Uh, in Russia or wherever. Right. But some of these other non-Western countries, they they are like the way I put it when I write about this online is there's they're like real countries still. So even though like capital might have influence, China is still like a real country with like an actual national project that they care about, you know, and things like that. The United States doesn't even rise to that level. The U.S. Right. is not, I don't think, in any meaningful way, a country. It's just basically a shopping mall. Uh, It's just a market, like it's just nothing. So I I, I do think that is different in that, you know, China, because they are trying to do a national project there, uh, that's why they have like a more formal sort of arrangement. And again, I'm not saying that China's national project is good per se, but I'm saying it exists. Similarly with Russia, Russia has, and Russia's not necessarily similar to China, but Russia's got like a national project. Like it's a real country, uh, whether, whether you like it or not. The United States is a whole different thing. Like we're, we're nothing essentially just other than the United United States is just a market. We don't even have citizens. We just have market participants. Yeah. There's no collectivism Uh, here. Unlike there. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. It's, it's nuts. And then somewhere in between there, you have Europe, which I think is trying to feel out still, whether it, you know, if one poll, you have the United States where you have no national project at all. And at the other poll, you have, say, China or Russia, where you have a fairly robust national project. You know, the European Union to me right now is sort of feeling out where does it want to fall? Um, right. And if, it, if it's going to fall on the national project side, it's I'm not saying it'll be authoritarian and dictatorial like China. I'm not I'm not implying that. But I. Uh, They are sort of and I think there's a lot of forces battling each other and arguing in the EU right now um, over, you know, do we want to have some level of a national project or do we want to be like the United States where we're just sort of an amorphous sort of alienated market? And I think that's what you're seeing in some of these European elections In places like uh, like Italy is a good example. Right. Um, When you look at the differences between their parties and what's going on in their elections or even sometimes you'll even see this um, sort of pull and back and forth within the same politician. And I think France is a good example of that, where sometimes. Macron seems like he wants to basically be a new Napoleon and revitalizer of the French nation. And other times during his presidency, he seemed like a guy that was just in like a Joe Biden type that was just installed by capital. Right. Uh, he seemed more like right. that early on. And as his presidency has gone on, he's more moved in a, like a Napoleon direction, not, not necessarily a dictator. I just mean sort of this revitalizer of the French Republic. Um, so it's, you know, I think there's a lot. Europe is very interesting to me for that reason. Not to go too far off topic there, but
1: right because because Fran- yeah, the yellow vest and all that. Like, I guess he's he's got uh, a bit more pressure to uh, to yield that way. And but, they also uh, have stronger national identities in these European
3: nations for the most yes. part. Yes, right. Yes, absolutely.
1: So is that so? Do you think that's um, so? So you would say because we've had guests on here that have different takes on on all this. So like, do, so you would say we need more of the. Uh, nationalist mindset that maybe a China or Russia has, but we don't want to... Fall under their sort of uh, regime, and if if they were like, I mean, I mean, I think we can all agree they're fairly like you know expansionist to some degree. So like, so do you feel like we need to be? We would benefit from more of their model, but sort of not being under their thumb, Is right? A, Absolutely,
2: yeah. I, I think we, the United States, would benefit tremendously from actually having a uh, an explicit national project, right? Totally so, right. I mean, you could choose to look at this in a couple different ways. Uh, You know, the way I tend to look at it is that it's better, you know, worrying about the global uh, labor, I guess, on a global scale. I, I just I don't I don't see how that is like realistic or possible. Gotcha. but you can get people in your own country to sort of have a sense of national identity and pride and mm. care about each other in that way and oftentimes that can have beneficial effects for labor in your country right like a and national solidarity type movement historically that has that has happened right and i'm not saying that in that's happened in the marxist sense or whatever but i mean that is a thing that Has happened that has improved people's lives. And I, and, and like you said, it doesn't necessarily have to be the way that China does it. Um, there are other countries, I think in Eastern Europe, um, that are attempting to do this and maybe navigating it, um, you know, differently than China, but having some level of success, uh but yeah I hope I rambled a little bit there but that's my answer to your yeah, question. Yeah you can
3: have like a strong like national project where you like emphasize on protectionism and like substituting local production and stuff for imports while like also positively benefiting these dependent nations that we already ravage through like imperialism because you would through that national project you would automatically be pulling back some of that imperialism anyways so like in a way having a national project that's going to be focused on um you know Kind of not necessarily like anti-imperialism as like a flag banner for it, but more so like trade protectionism and right. um, kind of like not isolationism, but non-interventionism. and that Yeah, non-interventionism, kind of right. exactly. Um, yeah. That is in itself a pathway to being supportive for the international labor movement in general. Um, it just like that. I feel like people try to put the fucking uh, – the, they try to – jumped a shark on that one a little bit. They try to go ahead of like where they actually can go. Um, Like you have to have national projects before, especially if you're going to be in one of these strong, like dominant nations, United States, China, et cetera. If you're one of these nations that's going around and, you know, kind of inflicting your will upon other smaller dependent nations, having a national project and doing that type of thing is really the first step you can take in supporting international. Right,
1: right, right. Yeah. We we talked about this ages ago with, with uh, Sadak on here about uh, nationalism and, I I I I pretty much agree. I I think we've all kind of moved on this, as far as like not not Slav. Slav was always right about this, but like me and CoH definitely like we. I I think we we see like yeah, there's there's pragmatic uh utility to uh to starting there, and it's sort of what you just said, Jeff. Like uh you know if if you want to think about the uh, the global hegemony and you wanna you wanna address that, I mean I don't know. It's sort of like that's 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 a lot to chew, you know. That's that's a lot to handle uh, on first go, and just sort of like it's like the you know I think of it like put the put the mask on yourself before you help anybody like what do you mm-hmm. uh, yeah. what are you gonna do to yeah. help these people like you you're fucked up like you're your shit's all fucked up like you're you're not even the poor people in your country are, are starting to border a, a third world uh, uh, livelihood so like what do yeah. you what are you talking about you don't even have a country so like you know what I mean like once well, I, I I'm not uh, necessarily pro nationalism, but I, I do see the utility in it. I do see the utility in like having that approach strategically. So that's that's how I view it. I think I think I think it is a good uh, framework for for getting a lot of these things moving in the right. direction. Mean, Transl- sorry,
2: oh, I, ahead. Ahead. I was say you, know, so you can also build. You know, just speaking 100% pragmatically, you can build allies with it too, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, it's hard. It you know. It's hard for workers just to do stuff on their own, uh, like because they, just by their nature, it's it's just historically been proven very difficult, right? But if it's done as part part of a nationalist project, you are going to, and some, I, this is very controversial. A lot of people don't like when I talk about this, but <laughs> you are going to have support from a faction of capital, right? The weaker faction, the national, right. non-global mm-hmm. faction.
1: Yeah, C. H. Um, talks about this a lot. Yeah.
2: And you can play that in your if you even if you're a part of labor, you can play that in your favor because you can uh, you can extract concessions from them in an exchange for support because they need you in a way that international capital doesn't. Um, So that in and itself is, you know, I think has utility and pragmatic value. Yep. Yep. Yeah, you have to utilize
3: like the different cleavages between the groups of capital and interest within capital in order to actually try to like put forth any type of workers' agenda. You have to weaken the overall structure of capital in the first place, and you do that by exploiting the differences between them in any way that you can.
2: Even historically, I mean, the this is another one that uh, sometimes rouses people up, but history's mostly been moving by intra-elite conflict. Right. I I know that the traditional Marxist take is that it's it's by class struggle, but I just I don't think that's historically accurate. I think it's mostly um, and I think Marxism is useful for class analysis. But I think history has moved forward predominantly through intra-elite conflict. So if you want to move forward something for, you know, the proletarian class or whatever, they're going to have to get involved in that conflict one way or the other. Um, And it doesn't mean that the people that they're aligning with or even their friends, it can just be strategic alliances, right? Uh, You know, uh, Julius Caesar didn't want to align with the plebiscite, but he did Mm because that was the option open to him. Right. So, you know, uh, I I think that that has um, practical application in today's time as well.
3: Yeah, I think so without a doubt. But like anytime you talk about anything like this, you're going to have people start screaming about red brown alliance and about fucking being a fascist God, and everything damn. like like that without understanding that we live in a society where like yeah some small business and small producers and like fucking kulaks exist in our society and you can't just forget that and like we like if you're going to try to like put forth any type of project to support working Values and like working interests, you have to like you have to start a transitionary project. You can't just like hopefully look past everything that exists and then just like think that you're going to be able to topple it all. Like you have to start with steps that can make sense, that make
2: progress and concessions for the working class. The argument against that, and and unfortunately, you know, someone might disagree with me who has this position, but that I've heard when I've made that argument, and to me, this is just too bleak and too dark. So it's not an argument that I particularly subscribe to but is that is the accelerationist argument where like we've just got to get it where like everybody's wiped out mm-hmm. and everybody's immiserated and <laughs> nice. that's when we're going to get revolution right jeff bezos that owns everything yeah, we can all work for him yeah like i i just i can't wrap my head around that one or How buy that
3: expect one? to like be promoting like saying that you are for the interests of the working class when you're just trying to say that you hope that the working class plot gets worse and worse i and hate worse. that
1: shit yeah, yeah, I hate that shit because it's just so funny that you end up perfectly coinciding with everything they want to do. It's yeah. so funny. Like every yeah. position they want, everything they want to do with global trade and war and all that, you're co-signing with all that, but in a revol- in a communist way.
2: Yeah, fuck, I've that, referred to, know, this, fuck that. Yeah, I've referred to this online as the Marxist-Bezosist position.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. 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 <laughs> It's like exactly. it's like leftist trusting the plan.
2: Like it's yes, like fucking yes so that, it, it yeah. is. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's what it is. It's, it's it's leftist plan trusting. Yeah, it's exactly. like fucking, it's,
0: it's fucking internet brain
2: shit, dude. It like, is. Yes. It's like shit that these <laughs> yes. people
3: don't have actual stakes, and they're internet armchair people that are just like, well, maybe if some other people have terrible lives, like maybe that'll make some other people think about it differently. And it's like, no. How about like if you're actually going to try to proclaim yourself as being a part of a political project or trying to build a political project in the interest of the working class, why don't you actually look out for the goddamn working class in the first place? Like, and not just in some grand scheme meta way, but like in some actual material change way. And like, you can do that with also having a grand plan for having larger change. Like, I'm not saying that I think reformism is the only, is the route that we have to go is like, as that's the, the grand plan is like if we just slowly chip away at capital forever and ever we can fix it like no but i think we have to make concessions when we can in order to improve our lot and then further empower working people with like resources and the ability to build upon that and like maybe try to build a tiny bit of capital or accumulate something for themselves and their family that can provide some sense of power for them and the people around them
1: yeah 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 i, I yeah i feel like just have uh you know a uh, uh, big goals or or big demands but accept uh we are Concessions, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's sort, like of, sort of
3: tactics versus strategy. Have revolutionary yeah. strategy, but employ tactics that are going to get concessions along the way. it's yeah, not exactly. Like, yeah, like, it's it, it's like I don't understand why people think it has to be all one way or all the other way.
2: And uh, but, and the other thing is like, how do you expect people to sign on to some project where your idea is, yeah, things are going to be terrible for you your whole life, <laughs> and maybe maybe your kids' whole lives too, but maybe it's like two or three generations down the line there's going to be a radical break that we can't really describe yet or say exactly. how it would happen. Right. But like that'll happen. You just have to trust the plan and yes. your, your great, great grandchildren will have it better than you could ever imagine.
1: Yes, exactly. Or, or you're a an un- uneducated heathen because he didn't yeah. read yeah. enough marks yeah. and you don't really, understand Tucker, that.
2: I don't care about my grandchildren. I might not even
1: have
3: any, Goddamn it. I want some change <laughs> now. Like what the fuck?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard balancing. I mean, talking to people, is always hard to, uh, uh, it's always hard to convey where you draw that balance between, you know, being idealistic and being pragmatic. But I, I definitely I definitely say ask for the full measure, right? But like, you know, uh, accept the half or expect the half. But I don't know, it sort of comes down to people... Or Democrats or whatever, asking for like a quarter or an eighth, and then you get you know a sixteenth. You know what I mean? Like that's sort of how it looks, but like it's it's hard to it's hard to convey that because everybody will interpret that differently and draw those lines differently. But yeah, I, I definitely feel like you you gotta have you gotta have a realistic mindset about it. You you have to. You gotta have a fucking I don't know. I mean, even just to garner support, man, you have to. Yeah, do exactly, that. exactly. Who's gonna? Yeah, exactly. What Jeff said. Like, who the fuck is gonna vibe with that shit? Like, oh, well, read these ten books and then talk to me, and then you'll you, once you're in my cult, this will all make yeah. sense to you. It's like shut the fuck up, man. Like,
3: once you've read my translation of the seven seals, you'll know exactly it, how it's. It's, gonna millenni- end it's like
2: <laughs> millennialism, exactly. or what? You know, I'm not pronouncing it right, but it's like you know, it's like a millennial, millennial, millennial cult. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. These people are sick.
1: These people are fucking sick, man. (laughs) Well, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. But, like, see, I guess that... That kind of uh, transitions to the other thing is like the economic populism thing, which is like you know we don't care so much about labels. Like we all got the three of us have fucking different labels, and we don't even care about those labels that much. But like mm-hmm. as far as economic populism, I know you were you were one of the few people I know that like uh took that label and and like you know for whatever however much stock you have in that. But like I've I've definitely grown to find that to have most utility in terms yeah. of communicating uh, an an idea set. You know what I mean? Like I don't know how you feel about like how that pertains to like pragmat like pragmatism and like you know ideology or like but what do you think that means to you or like how how that applies in terms yeah, of No, like- I
2: think that, I think you hit it right on the head there. Yeah, the reason I use that term is cuz like I don't really care particularly about um a lot of these different like economic ideologies per se uh i just sort of have like a i have end results that i think are good and i think you just work backward from there you know in any practical method that you think you can achieve them you know what i mean like i'm not so focused on like uh, you know you can be really doctrinaire and say like well Uh, I'm a Leninist, so not to pick on them. But so, you know, no matter what we do, we have to do it through like democratic centralism. You know what I mean? But I think that's like a backwards way to look at it. It's you should look at it like I kind of look at it like I want to live in a society where we have like relative peace among people. No one is struggling that bad. Personally, I don't believe in an entirely classless society. I don't think that that's possible, but I would like the distance between our classes to be smaller. Yep. I would like a society where the people that do rise to the higher class are, uh, how do I put this? Are, you know the, the the things that we reward are things that build a, a, a better society you know what I mean you could say mm-hmm. you can support the idea of a ruling class existing but still say that the, that the way our current society is structured rewards the worst possible people and puts the sickest degenerates in that role right, totally right so right, right. Uh, I'm kind of more on board with that so my point I, I always make this stuff real simple my points are always like if you're if you work 40 hours a week, You know, you don't have the quote unquote right to be super rich and buy everything you want, but you should not be precarious. Like if you show up to work from nine to five, Monday to Friday, and you don't screw around and you're willing to just like show up and do the basics, you just shouldn't be precarious. Um, And I don't think that should be a controversial uh, position. And I just sort of kind of like work backwards from that. And I know that sounds like overly reductive and simplistic, but. That's, no, I think that's, that's, what I I mean, think that's yeah. perfect.
3: It needs to be somewhat simple in order to get people yep. on board. Like, like, I'm not so caught up in tactics and everything. I'm like by any means pilled. I'm just trying to get yeah. to the end goal. Like, I, I want economic change, material change for working people. And I don't really care what you're going to call it. Um, I just want to call it something that's going to be as, as digestible as possible to as many people as I know. And I know that the term Marxist or any type of shit like that totally isn't.
2: Right, because yeah, it's yeah. just taken on – the thing. The interesting thing about Marxism is like it's taken on this connotation based upon pe- – because people that are out there labeling themselves in popular uh, conception with that label are not really – what i think more earnest marxists would consider marxists they're like what i would call like cia marxists right like (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly so it's just take it but that's what enter right rightly or wrongly that's just what enters in normie's brains because like normal people can't be bothered to like read all this theory shit right They, they got a bunch of stuff going on they got jobs so all they know is like some right. lunatic college professor saying like <laughs> wild shit about how they're evil because they're white yeah. says that they're a Marxist. So <laughs> I don't know, Marxist must be bad then, right? Yeah. Like, I, right. I, it just doesn't go any further than that for most people. And I'm not blaming people yeah. for that. It's just and that's- that's why I
3: don't ever like try to parse out like, well, like the real left and the real Marxist and shit. Cause like right. most regular motherfuckers don't right. know what the fuck you're talking about when you talk yes. about some real left or whatever the hell. <laughs> Cause the real left is the real goddamn people they see and interact with. Which are the people who are these crazy lunatics. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like like if
0: like if I go around like like calling a plate a cup. And like enough people are just like oh yeah no like that's that's a cup that's a fucking cup now like like, (laughs) like, like, like like, this is a real plate motherfuckers (laughs) (laughs) right right. like like there's no there's no they're not like breaking the rules of the simulation or something like it is as it does you dumb motherfuckers and and like and that that mix up that like, this exact topic is just, like, it's not even funny how much wasted energy and time oh goes into this distinction.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. No.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, as far as language is concerned, like, colloquial shit, like, that shit changes over time. So it's like, yo, you just gotta fucking adjust to it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, do you, are you very concerned with being like the... Uh, The high priest, you know, ivory tower academic that knows the exact, you know, ancient definition of something. Or do you want to know what the fuck people will understand if you talk to them on the street? Which one? Hop
3: on a trend. That's why I said GameStop populism, motherfucker. Hop on the mean trend, whatever. (laughs) It's digestible. (laughs) It's on some by any means. We're just trying to get the bag. Like, do it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, this, yeah, the, the the nourishment is is just not accessible, and yeah, as far as like you know, you, you might say, hey, you know, I'm for uh, you know, Medicare for all, or I'm I'm for like healthcare for all people, or like nobody should be dying because of this or housing or education or whatever. You say that, and somebody might say you're a capitalist, or they might say you're a socialist. For having, for that same belief, two different people yeah. might call you. So it's all, subject. it's all relative. So it's like, why, that's why, you know, the three of us come from different, you know, ideological backgrounds or upbringings or whatever. But like, we, we sort of all fall under the same umbrella of just like, yeah, whatever, what the fuck ever. Like, I don't, I don't really care how you want to call it or how you identify. I don't really care. Like, you know, I'm as long as it's, you know. Precarity I think is what you said is that's how I define it when people are like, oh why don't you say proletariat or lump and pro or say all these fucking nerdy ass terms instead of underclass whatever I don't give a shit about that because most people don't know what the fuck that is. And if it's a term that you have to like you know uh, you know get get all snobby about it and be like, well, actually the proper <laughs> definition of this is if you if that's what your goal is just to feel smart and superior to people, then fine, enjoy that whatever I don't really care about that. What I care about is being understood. Cause that's the yeah. whole fucking point of talking. And <laughs> oh, like me it's like. Yeah, oh right? no, go ahead. So, so, oh, no, I was just gonna say this is like this entire fucking
0: shit show that I got in. Yes. Uh, yes like, wow. so, these fucking losers. These fucking losers. I'm sorry. Like, if you think that, if you think that, just saying like upper middle class isn't basically just an adequate way of describing most of these concepts then like i've got bad news about like the efficacy of your political project you motherfuckers are
3: arguing about terms that haven't been used in two centuries talking about some like (laughs) well petty bourgeois actually means this dude i haven't even ever heard someone say petty bourgeois in real life Never. Sometimes
2: these these terms lose their utility too, and yeah. like so yeah. even in highly theoretical argument, like you know arguments like something if you weren't talking to a normally like normie, I don't think uh, petty bourgeois. I think that's a really good example. Really uh, encapsulates anything useful anymore. So
1: Jeff, what do you, what do you think of like? Uh- of Bitcoin as like a vehicle for, uh, you know, I mean, people say, people say there's a lot of potential there in terms of like being, uh, you know, more of a, uh, sort of like anti-establishment, uh, means of currency or whatever things that are less, you know, yeah, less I mean, by uh, central powers. So what, what do you think of all that?
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm biased cause I work in the industry. Right. But I mean, I'll give you my, uh, like 30,000 foot view here as to why I think it's important and at yeah. least a useful tool. Um, you know, in in terms of that, you know, the first distinction I want to make is like, I'm only speaking about Bitcoin here. I'm not speaking about uh, cryptocurrency generally, which most of the, uh, you know, cryptocurrencies that came later are essentially just basic pump and dump scams, um, which had, you know, corporate sponsorship. So like, I'm not really going to address those per se, but with Bitcoin, One of the ways and you can there's a website you can look at of just very straightforward and easy to understand charts. charts called WTF happened in 1971.com, I believe is the website. And what the reference there is to the end of the Bretton Woods system in 1971. Um, The reason why that was important and why those charts will show you that inequality like soared in this country immediately after 1971. I mean, there were other factors in play, of course, that have happened that have led to increased inequality over that time period. But if you look at those charts, it would be hard pressed uh, for you to say that, you know, the the uh, the end of the quasi gold standard wasn't. Uh, wasn't a factor. So for those that aren't aware, you know, the Bretton Woods system was the monetary system in the United States that persisted from the end of the World War II until 1971. And it was, for all intents and purposes for this discussion, essentially a gold standard. The dollar was backed by gold. Um, every dollar represented a certain amount of gold, um, which was held by the US government. Uh, it's oversimplifying a little but for purposes of this discussion that's fine and the reason why that was that was important is because without that gold backing to the dollar it allows the government to sort of Uh, print unlimited dollars, or actually not even the government, excuse me, it allows the Federal Reserve, which is not the government, it's an important distinction, the Federal Reserve is actually owned by its member banks, um, to print unlimited dollars. And that has increased inequality since we went to that system, we came off the gold standard through something called the Cantillon effect. Um, And the Cantillon effect basically says that when you print additional currency, the benefit of that additional currency disproportionately goes to the people who touch that additional currency first. And it's actually not all that difficult to explain why that is. So if you imagine uh, a closed economy where the only thing for sale was 10 widgets and all of the currency which was available in that economy was $100. Every widget would cost $10, right? So if anybody in this little tiny closed economy wanted a widget, they'd have to pay $10 for it. That's the only thing that was for sale. If we increased the amount of currency in the system or the amount of money and we doubled it, And we did that in an even way where we just said everybody that has a dollar now has two dollars. Well, what would happen is widgets would double in price but we you know they'd now be20 dollars because the economy would have a grand total of $200 in it right. but we'd all be in the same boat right but I'd be paying twice as much money for my widgets but I'd also have twice as much money so I wouldn't really care one way or the other right. but that's not the way that monetary expansion works so what really happens is when when the monetary supply is expanded let's say CRK and I are in this economy right well when we go from $100 in the economy to $200 dollars in in the economy. Imagine that CRK got that full extra hundred dollars credited to his bank account. And I got none. Well, in the beginning, what's going to happen is that $100 that went into CRK's bank account, it doesn't hit the economy immediately because it's just sitting in his bank account for a while. So CRK gets to use it before anybody else. And he can use it when widgets are still only 10 bucks. So like he's getting a sweet deal on widgets. The more money of that that he spends as that money starts to circulate through the economy, then the price of the widgets are going to go up. So if I'm the guy just a little working guy at the end of the line you know by the time all that extra money makes its way into my bank account well widgets have already doubled and i got screwed because other people got to buy those widgets in real terms a lot less expensively than i did
1: God, gotcha. so oh, the cost isn't going to go up just because the money was printed it's got to be a reaction to
2: people it's got to be out there floating in the economy right. it's got to be circulating gotcha. exactly gotcha. so the you know because otherwise you know the widget makers don't know that the, that the money doubled It's just that's just a natural supply and demand reaction as money sort of right. flows into the economy. Right. So that's how the Cantillon effect works. And it's a major driver of, uh, of, of, of inequality and in the United States. I mean, I used a silly widget example, but in the United States, when new money is printed, typically what happens is it's, it comes from the federal reserve and it goes to the member banks. So they get the advantage of being able to purchase assets with this new money before it's fully circulating through the economy and everybody else gets screwed. Right. So uh, a sound money, which has a which has like backing by something rare, which historically has been gold, uh, you know, prevents you from being able to do this because if you issued new dollars, you had to have new gold to back that up. So that was a sort of a hamstring on your ability to issue new dollars without that hamstring. What happens is like in the United States, a lot of times we just don't raise taxes. We just what we'll do instead is if we want to let's say we let's say even we want to do a new social program that was a good program. Um, Let's say we just wanted to do Medicare for all. Right. And instead of raising taxes on rich people to pay that, maybe we'll raise taxes a little bit, but we're going to increase the national debt to cover the rest of it. Well, what happens when we increase the national debt like that is the debt doesn't actually get paid off in the way that people think. What happens is the Federal Reserve essentially prints new money and that money gets used to pay off that national debt. And that money, again, when it enters the economy, it doesn't inure to the benefit to poorer people first. It inures to the benefit of the banks and their wealthiest customers first. So effectively, what that does is when you're even in it with even if that spending is on a new social program like, you know, this hypothetical Medicare for all, it's not being paid for by taxes on the wealthiest. It's being paid for by a hidden tax on the poorest people. Um, because it's sort of a, essentially a Cantillon effect tax. And a lot of times it's not, it's even worse than that because this new money printing isn't even done to finance a social program. It's being done to finance stimulus that's going directly to the banks like it's been happening for the past year and a half, right? Um, that's not even going to the people at all. It's not going to a, a social program at all oh, yeah. whatsoever. Oh, so, yeah, right, right. The idea behind all that, yeah. Yeah, right. So the idea behind uh you know Bitcoin is well we can't force the government to adopt the gold standard to get rid of this but we can create a parallel monetary system that it has a fixed supply so there's only ever it can be 20 algorithmically 21 million bitcoins um, and it doesn't have a centralized control system so the idea here is this gives people an alternative monetary system to opt into over time which can potentially accomplish one of two things um agnostic as to which one of these two things happens because they're both positive either way if if bitcoin is successful number 1 is as bitcoin increases in value against the dollar in order to protect the dollar the government has to react by not inflating the monetary supply so much right which would reduce the cantillon effect uh, which has some obvious benefits for all the reasons we went over. And then the other more radical thing that could happen over time is Bitcoin increases in value so much that the dollar hyperinflates in comparison and actually falls out of use as a national currency. That's a more radical uh, you know, conception of the future there, um, admittedly. Either one of those are positive outcomes, Um, whether or not this happens or not. You know, it's a project that I think is worthwhile and it's something that I put my time into because I do think that it makes a uh, it has the has the potential, at least to make a tangible difference um, in people's lives for that reason. Usually the pushback that I get when I explain it as something that has potential to make a positive impact in people's lives is that, well, you know, if that ever started to happen, the government could just shut it down. The problem with that argument, that, which is true, uh, you know, there are some people who are involved in Bitcoin that will tell you that, that oh, the government couldn't shut it down because it's decentralized. Well, that's literally true. But the government could, in fact, outlaw what are called the fiat on ramps and off ramps, meaning basically the places where you buy Bitcoin for dollars, which would more or less lock most normies out of it. And it would go back to being something used for black market transactions. So effectively, yeah, the government could stomp this out in its tracks if it really wanted to. The reason why I don't think that'll happen and the reason why I don't think that's happened yet is you're, you're sort of playing uh, the greed of government officials against them. So the idea here is that government institutions and even banks and things like that are made up of people, right? So if I'm running a bank or I'm running the treasury department, I don't really give a shit if this fiat system, which has been good to me Uh, up until now, continues long term, as long as my family gets rich, right? And if I see this Bitcoin thing, and I think this really has potential to take off, it kind of seems like a better deal for me to just buy in on it while it's still early, and then reap the benefits to myself personally, rather than, uh, you know, try and outlaw it and preserve the status quo system. So, in that way, yeah, I mean, there are some, you know, for lack of a better term, I'll use a squishy term here, bad people that are going to benefit, too, if Bitcoin takes off. But strategically, I think that's a worthwhile trade-off. Um, so I don't know if that answered your question.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Got- well, yeah, this is this is a good because, yeah, what you were mentioning before um, about uh, uh- just creating new money and well, yeah, this well, okay, I want to talk about a lot of things because we don't usually have people on here who like want to talk economics, but like, um, but you're basically talking about MMT before of like just printing this new money and uh, basically well, like.
2: Well, no, I mean, printing money is not in its in itself MMT, right? So we don't really, the, the, pol- the current policy of the federal government today is not based on modern monetary theory, but it's still based on uh, exactly what I just said. Proponents of MMT would typically argue that what we should do at the government level is take away the federal reserve's ability to control the money supply move that ability to control the money supply into the elected government's hands and then and then instead of the cantillon effect when we printed new money we would just distribute it to poor people first so that the cantillon effect wouldn't be an issue like what you Which, were saying before
1: of like m4a like quantitative easing yes. like, like towards towards m4a first basically towards services it, it,
2: right that's a decent way to think about it yeah in your head right that's so when you think about someone like stephanie kelton right who's like a very uh, um uh, prominent proponent of MMT. That's usually what they're talking about, right? They're talking about moving to more that sort of system. MMT itself actually just describes a theory of money, not necessarily a prescriptive system, but the system that they usually prescribe is what you just explained there. Something, you know, obviously more complicated than that, but something along those lines. The problem with that, in theory, that would work. Uh, you know, the the stuff that MMTers talk about, you know, would work Work in theory, I just think it's really hard to do. Like, imagine if you moved the money printing ability to Congress. I mean, do you really think that they're going to be incentivized to, you know, make sure that that new money goes from the bottom up instead of the top down? Because I don't. No, exactly, yeah, yeah. that's so, exactly
1: yeah. why people, you know, we've, we've had some people on here who are like pro MMT. And I'm just like, well, one, I don't trust them for one. And for two, you know the the main thing I'm concerned about is like inelastic goods. Like if if they pump the money out, right? Like like Yang's UBI and this and this stimulus money that's coming out is so, in my mind like all this pandemic bullshit is like basically like soft introducing UBI and basically you know I agree with you as of yeah. the latest thing like yeah and Biden's oh Yang too you know and but like Biden's latest thing of like means testing or they call it targeting now but like means testing even more of like who qualifies for this like <laughs> less people are getting a less amount but like they're still basically introducing this idea of like, you're not going to work anymore. Automation is rampant. And like, we've got this slip pandemic and like, just no more jobs. And like, you're not going to work anymore. You're useless. And we're not going to train you for anything. We're not going to do the whole, you know, learn to code meme. And you're going to take this money and shut up and not to, you know, write our capital or not do anything too, you know, much in, in the line of like civil unrest. And basically that's, that's what this seems to me is where they, they pump out the money and that money, you know, if, if the cost of living isn't uh, controlled at all, and you just have these inelastic goods for your housing or your health care or your education, things that you can't affect like your, your uh, you know, you, you can't affect what you just have to pay for. It. There's no control over like insulin or whatever. Like they can just spike that price and that money that was handed. You're just a middleman. They just hand the money to you and you hand it to them. And it's sort of like you've got no. You know, it's 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 like a ploy to make it seem like they're helping you, but they're not really helping you. You're just sort of like the the go between.
2: Yeah, uh, here's the thing. Thi- people. Yeah, he, I right. Uh, here's the thing. One of the, one of the things that I'm uh, I really worry about often is obfuscated power. Okay. Because then we don't have a good sense of who's getting screwed and who's screwing who (laughs) as, as opposed to outward exercise of power. Right. And that's one of the reasons, and I don't want to, we can talk about this a little more later in this conversation if you want, but like why I think like Michael Lynn's sort of proposed system of corporatism that he talks about is very good because it's the opposite of obfuscated power. Money printing the problem with it is it's very obfuscated power. It's very difficult for people to understand and conceptualize who is losing out in terms of purchasing power and who is gaining. So you're really relying on your politicians, you know, under the most proposals that MMTers make to exercise that obfuscated power in a beneficial way when in fact it's going to be hard to hold them accountable for the way they exercise that power because of the obfuscation. Mm -hmm.
1: So, 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 so you feel like the, the MMT would be more obfuscation basically.
2: Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, in theory, I mean, it's not, in terms of paying stuff for, with new newly printed money. I mean, we're doing that now. We just do it through the federal reserve. Uh, I think the, like in an MMT system, I think that we'd just be doing more of it. Uh, I don't know. It might not, it might not even be per se worse than what we have now. It might be neutral or it might be, uh, it might even be slightly better. I don't know, but I don't think it would be significantly better for the reasons I say it would be hard to hold. It's really hard to hold the money printers accountable because it's really hard to figure out where that money's going when you're printing it and who it's benefiting. Whereas it's really easy to see like, okay, we have, if we have a hard money system, And the way we pay for stuff is we tax certain people, take their money, and then use that to buy stuff for other people. There's a lot of accountability there. Like, everybody can see what's going on. But when you're financing that sort of stuff through inflation, that can be very unaccountable and very obfuscated.
1: Right, right. Totally. Yeah, I totally agree. And um, I guess the other thing uh, is basically, like, do do you so well, what what the time this has come up before on the show like a while ago basically is like you know you see the dollar as dying or like you know it's not a matter of of if but when and then basically Two branches out of that, which is the gold standard, or or Bitcoin, is like the two you know paths forward, basically, right. or path backward. If you if you want to think <laughs> or, about like, or or it, or a works.
2: Bitcoin standard dollar. I mean, that's the other thing. Like the, the you know instead of back, you could still have dollars be the currency that we use, but the the dollar could end up with Bitcoin backing instead gotcha. of gold backing.
1: Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So so do you do you feel like well for one, do you think that the, the dollar is like inevitably done? Like do you, do you think there's like a timetable in that, or do you
2: think just- no? I mean you know so a lot. A lot of people that um that i work with and uh, people that i respect a lot uh, think it's imminent they think like 20 years or less um i i, I just wouldn't bet on that i mean there's gotcha. a lot of tricks they can play there's a lot of minds that have to be changed there's gotcha. a you know i i don't like making you know predictions like that but you know it's uh it's something that I think is worth my time, but like I wouldn't if you were like, oh, would you bet all the Bitcoin you have now on uh, the dollar dying in the next 20 years? And eh, I, don't, I don't think I would. T- I'm not saying okay. I would bet against it, but I don't think I, would you know, outwardly go and confidently make that bet.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. So of the three, so so you basically you saying that gold is the is the weaker link of all? This. Yeah, like-
2: gold is. It's just it's it's easy to manipulate. Um, it's 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 easy. It's much easier to manipulate than Bitcoin is because Bitcoin is so instantly auditable um, because you have this public blockchain, so we can be assured that the exp- right. yeah the supply is not being expanded. Whereas with gold, you end up with this phenomenon called paper gold very often, where um, People, companies will write claims to gold for gold that they're not actually holding. Um, And then that claim, which is essentially a piece of paper, gets sort of like traded around as if it were gold. Uh, So there's a lot more like chicanery that can go on with gold that's more difficult to do with Bitcoin.
1: Wow. Okay, that's really interesting because just intuitively, I thought gold was like the least manipulated of of the three. But that. That's, that's really interesting to know.
2: Yeah. gold. I mean, the way it works is sort of Bitcoin is the least manipulated. Gold is the second least manipulated. And then dollars and silver are both very manipulated <laughs> and both very manipulated. Yeah.
1: Gotcha. 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 Um, I guess a few more, uh, things to figure out is, are you, are you concerned about automation, like full automation? Is that, is that and I mean, that and UBI is usually in tandem. So like, is, is that something yeah. you foresee or what was your do you think that's something that's uh, over fear, <sighs> just like the dollar collapsing? Like, how do you how do you view
2: that in the future? I just I don't know. My my um, my intuition has always been that the ruling class overplays and overhypes the threat of automation to get us to accept shit that we wouldn't normally accept. Like, oh, uh, you know, it's fine that we're going to send all these jobs to be performed by slave labor overseas because, uh, you know, they're just going to get automated away if we don't do that. Right. Or you hear that a lot with the minimum wage. Well, we can, you know, raising the minimum wage is stupid. We shouldn't bother with it because we'll just automate away those jobs if we do that. You know what I mean? So I, it just seems too convenient to me um, uh that it, it seems like every time you raise the specter of automation, you sort of give the ruling class everything they want if you buy into it. So that that just naturally makes me skeptical that it's I'm not saying it's not going to happen at all, but that it's as serious of a problem as it actually is gotcha
1: gotcha yeah i'm i'm definitely terrified of it as like china and automation i think are two things i'm definitely concerned about i I mean
2: see my my take on china is a little bit different like if you i probably would have agreed with you six months ago um now and this is not i'm not pro china i just think that china is a useful foil to play against our own working class right now i mean excuse me our own working class our own ruling class right Right, now is what i meant to say there um is a useful foil to play against our own ruling class right now? I Because the impression that I've gotten is that our ruling class is actually a little bit concerned about China because they have this national project that China has a little bit too much influence over global capital in terms of getting them to do stuff that they don't want to do. And as a result, I think our ruling class in the U.S. Is, is going to actually do a 180 from what they were doing previously and start hyping up anti-China hysteria. And they're going to do that to build popular support to ram the TPP through, um, which they weren't able to do under the Obama era. So the point of the TPP was actually to get production out of China and into other low-cost Southeast Asian countries, right, which helps – the it helps capital diversify their eggs out of the China basket, so they're yeah. not as you know dependent on the whims of the Chinese Communist Party all the time. Gotcha, um, and gotcha. then it also helps sense. as a counterbalancing factor against the point that production in China actually is getting a little more expensive now, um, just because you know uh, standards of living in China are, living, in, are increasing. Right.
1: Yeah, right. So right. And Southeast Asia, yeah, Vietnam's like supposed to be the new China, and all those right. Like
2: and that's TPP. I mean, it's pretty explicitly is. So that some of these giant global corporations can do less production in China and more in Vietnam. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's the thing. It's like I, I've, I, I see what you were making a, a connection, like the trade to automation. To me, to me, it just seems like the logical thing to do is to get cheaper labor, right? If you're from the, you know, thirty thousand feet, your global capital, like you know, you you have no fealty to any of these nations. You don't really care either way right? You just want the cheaper labor. Right. So you go where it's cheaper. And then the the next logical thing after that, well, yeah, lower standard of living, lower labor rights, right? Which China has worse than ours and Vietnam and Southeast Asia and so on, right? You just follow that chain logically. And I think the next logical step after that is uh, not a human right and i mean this is the thing is like you know once you have a machine you know there is no concern for labor laws or any of that
2: and right other- i just don't know i just don't know how practical it is i don't know how many humans you can auto- automate away i don't know what the practical ceiling on artificial intelligence is uh, right, right, i talked right. to a lot of different people that i think are smart that have like radically different opinions on that right so like elon musk says we should be scared as shitless of ai and that it can right. like do everything right and then i've talked to other people they're like eh, it's, it's not really going to be that big of it it's not you know it's going to get better but it's not going to be we're not going to end up with skynet right so i i just i don't have the technical background to know the answer to that question i guess
1: no sure i mean i i think the the two components are intention and capability i think intention is clear yeah. that's that's undeniable i agree uh, there. capability is the thing where you know i have you know respectful disagreements with with a lot of people about it as far as like how soon it can be but in, in my mind like yeah I'm not an expert on it but to me it's just like it's pretty undeniable that the amount of like laborers in a factory today are less required than what they used to be 10 years before 10 years before that you know self-checkout and and you know just like you know my friends who you know people i've known who've like you know worked in amazon or whatever and a lot of these warehouses the distribution facilities like they they need less people they got more machines doing a lot more work it's just it's only smart business for them so I mean intention is clear yeah the capability debate again like you know we need experts to you know people who know it better to to parse that out but in my mind I mean I think the the evidence is clear that it's moving that way and I, yeah
2: I, I think- and I think It's it's your point is, I mean, if things move in that direction and this is, I guess, very non-material and very squishy, but I don't like UBI because I just think there's something to the human spirit when people just aren't doing anything productive all day. Um, I've just kind of seen that. I grew up in an area where a lot of people... Uh, w- received just government d- benefits and didn't work. And, you know, usually what happens in that case is what you end up doing to fill your time is drugs. Um, yep, so, yep, yep. yeah, I, I, I just, I, I don't think that that's good. And I, and I don't, some people use that as an excuse against, uh, you know, bringing people out of precarity. And I, of course, don't mean it that way. I, my point is like, if we get to that point where we just need a lot less nece- we have a lot less necessary labor, I hope that we just pay people to do unnecessary shit, but that still feels productive. Um, you know, like right, uh, right, right. rather than give someone a UBI, I'd rather pay them uh, to use words that uh, Bob Beef did on a recent stream. I did with those guys. Uh, you know, I'd rather just pay someone $25 an hour to stack Dinty more cans than, uh, <laughs> than give them a UBI. Right. I just think that's, that's much better for, society in general. And that is the one That is the one good thing that I really do like about a lot of the proposals that MMTers years come up with is the jobs guarantee. Um, like I, at least conceptually, I completely get the benefit of that. Right. You give people something to do, they get paid like they're that's very that's just a really strong net societal positive.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, this is all Different points of where people get cynical or optimistic, obviously, and, and you know, I, I feel cynical about the um, the saving of of, uh, of the job market of meaningful work. I, I feel like that is, uh, I feel like it's 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 on a you know one way train, and I, I don't think there's a. I sort of. Um, I could see what you mean where you might concede that ground and be like, Oh, you're, you're basically giving what they want basically. But in my mind, I think, I think it just means you need to change the terrain of what you demand and what you fight for. In my mind, it's just like, all right, we need to be focused on universal economic programs, you know, making sure the things that are inelastic uh, demands basically are covered. You know, that, that should be the focus.
2: One that comes up a lot in my head too, that I don't hear talking about that much is like, if there's less necessary work that needs to get done, you can just cut the work week. You know, What I mean? Like, you you know what I mean? Like, you know, if you, you know, something that you could use one employee for working 40 hours, if you know, you'd need almost two of them if you cut the work week to 25. Um, which that's, which they something- kind of do,
1: they kind of do with the gig economy. They kind of do this fracturing, but then the, the question is like benefits, like, do you get adequately paid? For right. That's the issue.
2: The you have to do it in a way where people are still getting adequate pay and benefits. It's like, you're, you're not just cutting their hours. It's like, right. you have to like, you're getting a, you're getting a full-time wage for 25 hours instead. I'm just right. 25 is a random example. Uh, right. but right. rather than a full-time wage at 40, you know what I mean? Like, right. yeah, right. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I, think, I think that would make sense. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, like a jobs program, like thing, things to, to bring back work. I, I think that, that argument that like, oh, people need, like spiritually need work is pretty compelling. And I, I think I, I would say like the, the things that might come up of like the drugs and like the, the negative externalities of, of like not having work might just be from not having stable social uh, like safety net. But I could I could also see that like that might not be everything, too. I think it's both. I mean yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah,
2: I think it's both. I mean, I think that definitely not being stable is part of it because you're depressed, right? And a lot of people right. turn to drugs when they're when they have Problems and they're sad and depressed as anyone would be if they had a stability issue like that. But the 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 thing that makes me think it's not the whole thing is the who's the other group of people that gets all strung out on drugs? It's really rich people who don't have to work, right? So <laughs> it's
0: very true. It's yeah. very true. I yeah. think it's a lack of meaning a lot of the time, and I think I yeah. think that, I think that having like meaningful, productive work goes a really, really long way. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that that's yeah, undeniably part of it.
1: Yeah, that's that's a fair point. that is a fair point. That even people, and that's the question too of, like, right-wingers I talked to were just being like, oh, you want to, like, you know, make poverty uh, less miserable, and you want to, like, help people escape poverty, but then it's like, oh, you know, what's the point of people being, uh you know, sa- like, satiated or... Uh, basically, like, not living in that despair, if there's no, what's the existential meaning, spiritual meaning, or drive to your life, basically, which is a lot of questions I get more from right-wingers than left-wingers, and I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's a fair question, I think it's a fair point of, like, there, there, it doesn't necessarily answer that, uh, that void, but then that's where I sort of am nihilist, I'm like, I don't really think there is an answer to that, honestly, but I, I get what you mean, like, yeah, there, there, I I don't even necessarily know if I don't even necessarily know if it needs to have like that, like
0: confident of an answer of like, this is what a meaningful life objectively is. Like, I think you can even kind of like approach it in a kind of a cynical way of just being like, well, this is like a tried and true recipe for kind of at least like gaming that part of your brain. And correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah, That's like you can you can make a very cynical argument in much the same like so I am Catholic, I am a believer, but I also acknowledge that you can just make a very cynical argument in favor of religion for the same exa- reasons, right? And I think all the same arguments hold up, whether you do it cynically or um, or uh non-cynically i don't know i'm looking for a better word than that but i think you guys know what i mean
0: yeah kind of like kind of like, like almost like um like instrumentalizing these things mm-hmm. oh yeah or utilitarian almost yeah, yeah. like what, yeah. what do you mean what do you when you when you use um when you use uh religion as kind of a parallel what exactly do you mean
2: well i mean like i'll give you an example like you can uh One of the ways where one of the ways in certain countries historically that you've been able to accomplish broad, popular support for things like social programs um, has been done through Christian Democratic parties. Right. Specifically in Europe. Right. So and part of the reason that that's done, at least some percentage of the people that. Supported those Christian Democratic parties, even if not today, but certainly uh, in the time when a lot of these programs were passed, did it because they they supported those programs because the party the party supported them out of this uh, at least outwardly this obligation that you had to your fellow citizens, right? That was religious in nature. So uh, Christian democracy as a political, uh, uh, European Christian democracy, those parties come out of a papal encyclical. Uh, re- Novarum, Right. So that that kind of outlined all that. So you can look at that and you can say, OK, well, I'm Catholic and I believe what the pope wrote in Rerum Novarum was correct. And that's why I support these sort of social relations. Or you can look at it cynically and say, well, who cares? Uh, you know, enough people believed it that we got it done right? Either through some combination of people that truly believed it or people that didn't believe it, but just supported it because it benefited them materially. uh, It still got done does that make sense
0: yeah 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 yeah, ab- yeah. absolutely I, I mean it's 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 like a it's like a political form like, like right
2: yeah right
0: yeah and, and, I, and I think that I think that uh, like when people hear that they like immediately think that that's like an insult and I think that's kind of funny but like I don't even mean it as an insult and I think that yeah looking at it that way can be really uh, helpful
2: yeah. yeah I agree and I, and like you know like I said I'm a believer and I don't find that I, I don't think anyone should find that insulting uh, it just, it's just a reflection of reality
0: yeah 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 and i i think that um it's almost kind of like uh to put it maybe kind of like dumb terms uh like i perhaps one of the reasons why it can be such a uh useful tool um is because uh just like bringing it back to what i was saying about memes earlier or something like it's a they're 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 these kind of insulated communities that have uh this catalog of their own you know terms and symbols memes if one would like to use that term (laughs) uh like Uh, at the ready shorthand for communicating ideas and values in a way that um, I think that like liberal capitalism has hollowed out all public spaces to make it just so that they're basically just canals for ejecting and pushing in the latest uh, uh, symbols and meanings and and this is something that I've talked uh, about in the past a little bit of like uh, while I do think that like I, I guess like ultimately i wish on some level that i could think in like a, I, I was raised you know kind of in a secular household but and i kind of wish that i would was able to like kind of rewire my brain to at least think whatever religious people think i, I kind of want that on some level um but like uh, i i ultimately think that there's it's it's probably best not to go backward uh towards those things having said that i think that uh the they they're these kind of spheres that have withstood at least better than other spheres uh that hollowing out that i
2: described earlier. Well, right and what they what they've specifically withstood i think is uh commodity fetishism so yeah. i think we've reached Ooh. a point like in a country like the united states where almost like it's almost like an extreme commodity fetishism where we just we, we just every every aspect of our lives we think about just our brains just operate completely in market terms right it's to the point where i think a large percentage of our population can't even not think that way um and at a minimum I think religious people and not all religious people, but some amount of religious people have maintained some ability to think about the world in a way that's not market mediated.
1: Yeah. 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 I agree. Yeah, I mean, we I, I,
2: it was,
0: I think that's a really sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but just I think that's a really concise way of saying what I said. And I, yeah, yeah I, I think that's that's a really good way of putting it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think I think we where we come together on, on, on a lot of this is like, you know, I don't necessarily care about like uh, religion or 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 family or I wasn't raised that way. Or, or I kind of was, but I just didn't care about it. But like either way, like, you know, I, I'm more concerned with like what they're trying to replace it with. Right. Like say mm-hmm. I'm not that wedded to those uh traditions or values or whatever i am concerned with what they're replacing it with and what they're placing it with it is fucking nightmarish you know nightmarish consumers and like hollowed out empty shit um so that's why i'm sympathetic to people who who uh you know feel like that that's more something we need to uh to hold to to uh Sort of reject this, what they're doing, basically, and I mean, I, I totally get that. I mean, I think I think that's valuable. I don't think work itself is that. Uh, I don't have any like uh, romanticism about work itself myself. I mean, I just think I think every generation works so that the next generation works less. I think that's been the like trend of I human think that's history. True. Yeah, yeah, I think that's been the trend of human history. And like you know, if if you know the road of that is you know uh, that. That the next generation is a little bit more full of like fuck ups that like, you know, AJ Sopranos or whatever that are sort of like, you know what I mean? Like basically like listless or whatever. Like if that's the trend of it is, I mean, shit. I mean, that's just the way we've been going. I mean, this is what we're designed to do. And I mean, I don't I think there's many new meanings you can find out of that. And you know, as far as like the rich people being like on drugs and all that, I totally agree. Like they, they're just listless, and you know, they just fall into like hedonism and and despair or whatever. But you know, I don't. And my response to like the right wing too is like, I don't want everyone to be rich. You know, that's not my, my mentality. I just don't want them to be precarious. I don't want yeah, them fucking. I think
2: that's that's mine as well. Yeah. Yeah. Can...
1: Yeah. And, yeah. Exactly. And that's why I don't want to conflate the two of like you know of, of people. Some some people on the right will be like, so you want everyone like living rich, like the rich, fully people, automated
2: luxury communists. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And, you know, on the
1: flip side there's a lot of leftists who want that. And I don't, that's not how I view it. I just don't want people fucking... Scrambling around just to, you know, just to get by. Like, I don't, that's what I don't want. So, you know what I mean? And if I don't think that will create a lot of like, uh, spiritually like bankrupt people, I don't no, think, necessarily I don't think so that, either. Yeah. 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 No,
2: I agree. I agree with that. But guys, anything I mean, I, less I, I, about I don't her. think eliminating precarity is is, 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 is the thing that's going to, yeah, I agree with you that caused that. Yeah.
0: Right. And, and, and it just, it just reminds me, and maybe it's a, a little bit of a, a side note, but that's just talking about that in those terms just reminds me of, of just the framing of like, you know, anything short of uh, uh, politics isn't striving for a classless society is totally just a compromise that we need to reject. It's yeah. kind of a callback to what we were
1: saying earlier. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And Yeah. I mean, yeah, I just I, I think the UBI thing is, is sort of like the in between of like, do we give these people work and meaning? Or do we give these people like some stability that's sort of like they're in between finessing like of those two things. And like you don't get stability because it doesn't it just gets consumed up by, you know, housing or, or all these predatory people uh that take your money uh and then there's you know you're not getting any value of like having productive work either that's their that's, yeah. i feel like that's their goal but they're in between of like just dealing with things so just shut everyone up and like you know whatever whatever side you fall on that as far as what you think the real solution is that's clearly not the it's clearly not either it's clearly them trying to like and
2: uh elair Il- 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 talked about this in his book like over a hundred years ago, the servile state, Uh, you know, the UBI is basically the concept of the the servile state that he described a hundred plus years ago. And his, his general idea, he was, wrong about certain things, even, even there's things he wrote in the servile state that in his later books, he sort of changed course on. But, um, the one thing I think he was right about is that like capitalism was like, it was unstable. It had too many contradictions going on because eventually you'd get to the point where capital was centralized in like a tiny group of hands, but they still needed consumers, but those consumers were also their employees. So like you're at the same time incentivized to pay your employees as little as possible in order to earn uh, to earn, to maximize your profit, but if you do that and you take it too far, then you don't have consumers for your products, right? Because they can't afford to buy them. So the servile state was basically his prediction for how things would go. He didn't talk about UBI specifically, but that. Uh, there'd be, you'd see in the future, he predicted like uh, basically programs that would give people just enough to be able to consume, but they'd still be sort of in a miserable state of affairs and not have control over their own lives. Um, and and I'm not, I'm oversimplifying his thesis and his book there for purposes of this, um, you know, discussion. But I I think that's whenever I think of UBI, I think of blocks servile state.
1: Yep yeah i i have yeah i have similar like uh, uh fears of how things will turn out and yeah that that totally makes sense to me um but uh yeah i guess before before we go is uh is there anything you wanted to plug before we before we left off
2: here uh you know you guys can just follow me on twitter uh i'm sure you'll put in the show notes my twitter handle and yep. uh yeah. I mean, you check out my Twitter bio, bio to see the stuff that I do, um, what my job is. Basically, I help people move some of their retirement assets into Bitcoin. That's my day job. So take, take everything I said as a biased person, you know, as if you got it from, from a biased source um, for that reason.
1: And also, yeah, and also for, for biased info, uh, like when do you think this Bitcoin correction is bottoming out? Because I bought in like you know, like <laughs> I'm, on, I'm, I'm on Robinhood. I gotta get the fuck out because Robinhood sucks. I gotta get to fucking Coinbase or whatever. But like, I don't even own it. I'm just speculating on it. But like, yeah, I bought in like a couple months ago, like six months ago, before the big uh, spike. Um, and I pulled out at like 30 because I knew it's got to correct. But like, when do you when do you think this it's pretty volatile now. I mean, it's we're up volatile. to 40
2: almost today. Uh, really? Yeah. Shit. Yeah. We're up, we're up to almost 40,000. Um, the last week has been uh, fairly strong. You know, it's hard to say. Uh, the, the overall trajectory is much easier to predict than shorts, you know, over years than it is looking at things like months when to get in and out of the market. Right. So I never try to time anything. Um, unfortunately, I don't have good advice in terms of timing. The most do you
1: think the hundred do you think the hundred uh, uh, projection is is yeah like
2: so I, I was about to say the most um- persuasive pricing model I've seen is the stock to flow model, which was put together by this guy. It's a Twitter anon. plan B is his name. Um, but you can tell from his, you know, modeling, obviously he's a quant, whether you buy into it or not, he's a guy with a financial background. Um, and you know, his model would seem to indicate that, yeah, within the next, Anywhere from the next from this summer through next summer or something like that, you'd be looking at $100,000 Bitcoin. Um, wow. So, <laughs> you know, you could take that with a grain of salt. I certainly I'm not in the price prediction game, but uh, that's out there. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, it's
1: amazing. It's amazing watching what's going on. I mean, it's just uh, yeah, people close to me are like very like following it very closely. And I've just been sort of like watching from afar. But like, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy so far. But um, yeah, it's good to know. But uh, yeah, I think that's everything we were gonna get to. I don't know if there was anything else.
2: Uh, no, I think we, uh, I think we had a good conversation here. I had a good time, guys. Yeah, yeah was it was great, great having thanks, you on, man. man. Thank yeah. you very much for having me. Much appreciate, man. Thanks. Have a good one. Take okay. care.